0: This is Africa, I Gotcha. And it's Africa Day, the 25th of May, 2020. Take out your thinking and your writing journals as your one stop podcast for informative, factual, and interactive features, news, and updates for Africa, from across Africa and the world begins to play. Today is Africa Day the annual commemoration of the foundation of the Organization of African Unity on the 25th of May, 1963. That is now known as the African Union, AU, headquartered in Ethiopia. It is celebrated in various countries on the African continent, as well as around the world. Salaam, Tel That is our African greeting of the day. Salam teleguse, means hello, and I am happy. At the end of the podcast, I will reveal, as always, where it's from. Every podcast that we start, we start off with an African greeting that celebrates our more than 3,000 communities that make up this continent. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Orata Consulting Group, a brain trust supporting governments, public, and the private sectors in the adoption of emerging technologies across Africa. This is Africa, I gotcha, MO presenting, and we are on our 69th episode today with listeners from all around the world. So if you're just tuning in for the first time, um, subscribe. You can find us on Google Podcast. We're also on Apple Podcast. And now we're also on SoundCloud too. So please subscribe. And as always, we are ready with our interesting fact on Africa that we have. And now that you have your thinking and writing journals out, let me tell you what our interesting fact about Africa is today. So did you know that Ghana became the first African country in the south of the Sahara, gaining its independence on March the 6th? 1957, under the leadership of Kwame Nkrumah, a year after its independence, Ghana convened the first conference of independent African states on April 15, 1958. African countries in attendance included Ethiopia, Libya, Sudan, Liberia, Egypt, Tunisia, and Morocco, amongst others with representatives from the National Liberalisation Front of Algeria and the Union of the Cameroonian Peoples. Five years later, on May the 25th, that's a day like today, in 1963, following the sentiments of the conference held in Ghana, the Organisation of African Unity, OAU, was formed in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, hosted by the Emperor of Ethiopia, Hele Selassie. And he came up with his famous words, May this convention of union last a thousand years. So African countries, including Ghana, Zimbabwe, Lesotho, Zambia, Mali and Zambia, actually recognise Africa Day as a public holiday. So in all those countries today, it's a public holiday. Okay, but in other countries, they still have celebrations to mark the historical day. And in international cities, for example, like in New York, Dublin, Melbourne, London and Washington... They engage in academic gatherings and cultural showcases to mark this day. So, in today's podcast, it's all about business around Africa. And our first feature of the news roundup will look at the underutilized capacity to, to produce quality, assured, essential pharmaceutical products locally and that story you'll find out which country it's from I won't let it go right now but this country has one of the greatest potential for rapidly scaling up production of pharmaceutical manufacturing production and only utilizes around 40% of the actual installed capacity then we're also going to find out which are the top 10 companies in Africa for the year 2019 And stay here to find out if your country appears on the top 10 list and which company that is that operates within your country. And we're going to Malawi. And, you know, Malawi is hardly (laughs) known or equated to tech, but a great story from Malawi, too, about a company that is using 3D printing and computer assisted design um, to assemble some. Um, protective Personal equipment So you'll find out What it is that they're assembling also So great And then we're also going to go And find out what is happening In terms of a roundup In some of the different hubs In Africa With respect to business Now that COVID is here with us So we will look into tourism We'll also look into manufacturing. Great. But then we also have a new segment that we've introduced starting from today. We're going to be meeting the African women and men who are shaking up the status quo, asking uncomfortable questions, upending business models and fighting preconceptions. They are our disruptors. So that also is going to come in after the news from around the world. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our global news update from around the world. And we're going to start off in Burundi to kick us off. So Burundi held its general elections last week on May the 20th. ...to select its president, the national legislators and local representatives... ...despite having 42 confirmed cases and including 21 active cases of COVID-19. So all the votes apparently have been counted... ...according to Burundi's National Independent Electoral Commission... ...and the results should be available today. That is what they had said... So from reports that we received, the initial results suggest of an extremely close race between the ruling party candidate, Ndaya and the opposition party candidate, Rasa. While still on the election front, Benin also held elections, that was two weeks ago on Sunday, May the 17th, risking further spread of COVID-19. They already had, at that time, 339 cases of the disease, which had been confirmed in the country. So according to the, to the provisional results, the two parties allied with a with the president, um, Patrice Talon, won with more than 77% of the vote. The opposition parties were barred from the vote due to a protested 2019 election law that created strict criteria for fielding candidates. As a result, opposition parties called for voters to boycott the polls over both the political situation and the COVID-19 outbreak. Turnout was correspondingly low Estimated at only 25% and was particularly low in the opposition stronghold. Final results were expected yesterday. Okay, so we're moving now into South Sudan where more than 300 people were killed earlier last week in the Jongeli state after violence broke out between the Lua Nur pastoralists and the Morelli farmers over cattle and land. Among the victims were a Red Cross volunteer and a doctor without borders nurse. Zhong Lei, one of the country's largest states has been a frequent site of conflict since the country's latest peace agreement in February 2020, which merged the states Fangak, Bay, and Kobo with Zhong Lei, but failed to name a governor to oversee the expanded territory. So again, um, some economics update from some economies across the continent. So there's news that some African economies will and have opened up while others continue to close. While Africa has been one of the last regions to get hit by the novel coronavirus, the World Health Organization, WHO, wants that the effects and the spread of the virus will linger. So the BBC reports that the WHO recently predicted that nearly a quarter of a billion Africans would contract the novel coronavirus within the next year and warned that between 150,000 and 190,000 could die. As of this report, Africa has recorded over 100,000 cases of coronaviruses with 3,105 deaths. The continent continues to be a patchwork of countries opening up and closing down. Mosques and churches in Liberia, Niger, Nigeria and Senegal have begun to open. At the same time, Nigeria is slowing down its economic reopening and even extending lockdowns in principalities where the virus has continued to spread. So earlier last week, Kenya announced it would not be seeking the debt Payment standoff offered by the G20, stating that the terms, especially the rule limiting countries' access to international capital markets during the suspension, were too restrictive. Also, over the same week, in an attempt to stop cross border spread of the virus, Kenya closed its borders with Somalia and Tanzania. More broadly, all truck drivers entering the country, regardless of origin, will be subjected to a mandatory COVID-19 testing. The government noted that recent days have seen 78 foreign truck drivers test positive for the virus. It's also extended its national nighttime curfew by 21 days. Conversely, Zambia announced it'll be reopening its borders with Tanzania for cargo such as copper and cobalt exports and fuel imports, but the movement of people is still banned. In other border news, Tanzania and Rwanda have agreed not to implement a previously announced plan to swap drivers for cargo trucks crossing the border. Instead, goods with the exception of perishable goods and petroleum products intended for Rwanda will be offloaded at the border point and subsequently escorted to their final destination. We now go out of the continent to find out what else is happening. So Europe has outrightly rejected US President Donald Trump's vision of the world this week. Tensions between these historic democrat allies that have been simmering since Trump came to office three years ago have now come to a boil during the coronavirus pandemic. The extent of the divide became clear on Tuesday during a vote at the World Health Organization annual assembly in Geneva, Switzerland. Switzerland decided to back Europe's conciliatory approach to China relating to an investigation into the outbreak. Power had visibly ebbed away from the United States as its demand for a tougher approach was dismissed, a move that should sound alarm bells in washington trump has also sought to blame the who for siding with china and cut almost half a million sorry half a billion in funding for the united nations trump doubled down on monday telling the agency that he will permanently pull us funding if it doesn't commit to major substantive improvements in the next 30 days So here's another story that's coming in from Israel. So the valuation of Monday.com, an Israeli startup that makes software to help employees work remotely, has jumped, yes, to $2.7 billion, according to Bloomberg sources. This has managed a 42% increase since it last raised money, even as many startups confront down rounds. The company's products are gaining increasing popularity with customers seeking ways to manage employees who have had to work from home due to the pandemic. Aaron Zinman, Monday.com's co-founder and chief technology officer said in an interview on Thursday that the disruption caused by remote working have boosted the importance of finding tools to help keep tabs on assignments and avoid communication breakdowns, he said. In South America, we go to Mexico where the Mexican president, Andres Manuel Lopez, says the novel coronavirus could cost up to 1 million jobs as many industries considered not essential remain shut. The Mexican economy was already in recession before the pandemic struck and some investment banks have forecasted an economic contraction of its largest 9% this year, with only a gradual recovery in 2021. In Asia, Hong Kong security chief said terrorism was growing in the city as the government department rallied on today, Monday the 25th, behind Beijing's plan to introduce national security laws after thousands took the streets to protest against the move. Police said they arrested more than 180 people yesterday on Sunday when authorities fired tear gas and water cannons to disperse anti government protesters as unrest continued to the city after months of relative calm. Okay, Africa, I gotcha here's what we know that a lot of you actually listen for and this is from our feature stories to find out what is happening and who's doing what and how so we're gonna start off firstly with a story around um production and the pharmaceutical that i spoke about earlier on so the covid 19 pandemic has caused major disruptions to the global supply chains as you're all aware Africa is particularly vulnerable with respect to pharmaceuticals because between 70 and 90% are imported and because the continent generally lacks the political sway and the beginning power of other regions. So in the short term, the most acute issue is the need for huge quantities of quality approved and assured protective equipment, tests, and medicines to treat the COVID-19. So, because significant shortages of other essential medicines could materialise, what has been happening is that now each country has been going back and rethinking and re-looking at its capacity. But many countries in Africa have actually realised that we have a lot of underutilised capacity to produce quality assured essential pharmaceutical products locally. In Nigeria, one of the countries with the greatest potential for rapidly scaling up production, pharmaceutical manufacturing production currently utilizes around only 40% of the actual installed capacity. So manufacturing output remains low, lower than its potential in part due to the inconsistent demand and the challenges in sourcing the active and the raw ingredients and also unfavorable market con- conditions and a lack of available investment, so if you need to find out a bit more exactly what is happening and you know which are the other factors that are preventing or are not conducive to us being um, up to speed in terms of all manufacturing, as always, this is the interactive part of the podcast. The link is there for you to go self inquire and to self learn. Okay, it's about the, twen- the top 250 companies in Africa. Yes, the list is out and this has been compiled by the African Business News and it came out this month. So I know uh, you're all years and keenly waiting to hear which are the top 10 firms in Africa. Okay, here we go. Um, remember at the beginning of each podcast, I always mentioned that we are an interactive podcast. So this is the part that you do your part. But I will do this. At least I will tell you that within the top 10 slot, South Africa has eight companies on the list and the two other slots, one goes to Kenya, the other goes to Morocco. You can read the whole list for the 250 companies by accessing the link, fact check, and find out which other companies are part of the 250 that have been listed. Okay, moving right on. So, within the tourism industry across the continent, over 24.3 million jobs are supported, are actually at risk in the short and medium term, owing to the reduction in tourist arrivals, as concerns, as we all know globally, is about safety, taking precedence over business, travel needs, and leisure tourist intent. So beyond tourism, you know, who's doing what and how are they managing to continue being in production? So there's one particular facility, which as of the 7th of May this month, decided that it was actually going to repurpose its production lines. This is in Uganda and they're called Uganda Premier Distilleries. And what they've done is they repurposed part of the production line to make hand sanitizers which has meant that they can only retain 20% of its employees, but at least they have retained their 20%. Interestingly, the telecoms and the tech industries are not anticipating to be the most affected. And some companies, well, have only laid at about 10%, um, some up to 30% of their staff due to limited business expansion. If we go down South into South Africa, Um, In April, there was a real low in terms of um, manufacturing and companies operating. And in fact, according to what is termed as the IHS market analysis, it is actually predicted that unemployment could soon reach 40% and the GDP in South Africa could drop up to uh, by 12% alone. Coming back to East Africa and in Kenya, so one of the largest uh, exporters of cut flowers in Africa, only a couple of weeks ago in earlier March, um, about a million direct and indirect jobs have totally become at risk with 50% of that possibly going t- to see themselves staying at home and not being able to go to work. Okay, here's our new section. It's called Meet the Disruptors. And today we start off with Abiy Ahmed because of the peace and prosperity that is happening in Eastern Africa and towards the northern part of the Horn of Africa. So just a little bit about him. So he's dynamic. He's a reformer and an adept diplomat. He's a prime minister Abiy Ahmed of Ethiopia, and he's at the heart of a tectonic change in the region. Yeah, so um, Prime Minister Ahmed noted that his country was starting to outgrow the governing and economic model that had turned it into East Africa's largest economy. So Abiy has very quickly moved into opening of the economy to foreign investment, and the landlocked country to the port in the Horn of Africa and the state to deferring opinions and to the region's new dynamics. He ended the war with the neighboring Eritrea, which won him the Nobel Peace Prize, and has taken a strong line on the jirat Dam with Egypt. In the 2 years that Abiy has been prime minister, he's achieved so much, but is also juggling mounting security issues at home and abroad. As always, we will have a link so you can read more about Abiy Ahmed in peace and prosperity. This broadcast is brought to you in partnership with Orata Consulting Group, a brain trust supporting governments, public, and the private sectors in the adoption of emerging technologies across Africa. Okay, time to say goodbye. And the language is, yes, Tegirian from Eritrea. So, Eritrea is actually a multi-ethnic country with nine recognized ethnic groups in its population of around five and a half million people. Eritrea has nine national languages, which are Tigrinya, Tigri, Afa, Beja, Belen, Kunama, Nara, and Saho. Tigrinya, Arab, and English serve as the three working languages. Among these communities, Tigrinians make up 55% of the population. So as always, thank you for listening. Let's keep our numbers down of infections across the African nations. Remember, stay home, stay safe. <sighs> Social distancing, washing your hands properly with soap and running water. Still, please, no visitors in your home or when gatherings as much as possible as a no-go zone. Do wear your mask and when you wear them, wear them properly. And being Africa Day, I also have one extra bonus. There is a link that will take you to learn how to cook jell rice. So that's an extra bonus for everybody that's listening in. And thank you all. I'm out of here. We're out of time. Till our next podcast. Bye.